my goal when I came to LA was, okay, who do I know or who knows somebody that I know so that I can move my career along? Every morning I woke up and I said, what can I do today to help me move along and push towards uh, getting acting work? This is LA is Good For You, Tinseltown, a podcast about the art, science, and business of filmmaking. Each week we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. Can you have both a sustainable career in TV and success in commercials spanning two decades? Yes, you can, according to this week's guest, award-winning actress Dina Freeman. But only if you're willing to put the work in. Dina, you've been active as an actor since 1975. Was acting always the plan? Um, it wasn't like I had a plan, really. It was just that I loved it, and that's what I was good at. I was I started, you know, imitating from the time I was very young. You know, I just started imitating people. So I just fell into acting, I guess, in junior high school. And in high school, I had the lead in the play. And I remember Mama. And I just, it was just not part of a plan, really. But I took it in, you know, college. And I took it, you know, I was a major, I majored in college and drama, in theater. And so I just loved it. And then I went to graduate school in acting. Um, so it wasn't really a plan. I did, I, it's interesting what happened is that I I auditioned after I graduated from San Francisco State University. Um, I auditioned for ACT, which is a repertory company in San Francisco, a very well-known one, but they have, a, they have an acting school. And I auditioned with two fantastic characters, but they didn't accept me. <laughs> but I auditioned then at UC Irvine for graduate school for, towards my MFA, and they loved it. I played a dog uh, in Two Gentlemen of Verona. I was actually in the play, so I did that as part of my monologue. I created a mon you know, there was a monologue in it. So I played the dog and the character of Launce. So I played two characters opposite each other. Anyway, uh, that wasn't, it was just sort of, I fell into it because I loved it. And I imitated Did people. you imagine doing anything else? Like, was there ever, like, I'm going to be a um, vet or When policeman? I was little, I'd fill out, I want to be a physical therapist because I was very, um, I had a really good friend who was handicapped in a wheelchair when I was very young. And I was very involved in raising money for um, a building and a swimming pool, mainly for the handicapped. So I was very involved in that when I was a kid. So I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. <laughs> And now I go to physical therapy <laughs> all the time. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you think that you wanted to be a specific type of actor? Like, um, I want to be in the theater. I want to be in the movies. I want to be on TV. No. You no, didn't care. Because I did... I didn't care because I, well, I, I certainly started in the theater and I was part of the theater works, which is in Palo Alto and it's a, it's a professional company now. And, you know, out of there came Jelko Ivanek, who's, you know, done a lot of work. We've had just so much talent coming out of that studio. And so, no, I just sort of fell into the theater. And what was the question? I lost track. Oh, did I know which way I was going? No, it was just kind of seeing where I went because UC Irvine then was kind of the catalyst, brought me down to L.A. And then I moved to L.A. in I did one year of graduate school. It was a two year program, took the 
took all the exams, passed it a year in advance with the idea of finishing up my year at school. But then I ended up just staying in L.A. in the summer and thinking, oh, this is this is good. I started getting some activity. And so I didn't go back to I didn't finish my MFA. I just started working fairly quickly. <laughs> Within six months, I was working at working actress. Yeah, I mean, I look at it now and I go, oh, my God, because I was I knew I, I was I went in with this attitude like, of course, they're going to hire me. <laughs> so when you were at um, UC Irvine and yeah. you studied acting, um, what was the curriculum like? We obviously what was the w- curriculum. Yeah, it was um, Uta Hagen teaching <gasps> the Hagen method. So I that's where I really learned the started to really learn the craft and then what was so wonderful is picking it up here. But I used it throughout my career is the Uta, from the Uta Hagen book, Respect for Acting, which is phenomenal. Um, yeah. So we learned that. And then I, you know, did tons of plays there and I really got into it. And I was a TA, a teacher assistant. So I actually had my own classes that I was teaching and acting as a as a graduate student. So what did a day, a usual day look like? I mean, like we've never been to, um, you know, never studied drama at the yes. university. So do you just do a lot of lectures and then you do no. plays or? Oh, so a Master of Fine Arts program is more of an active program rather than a Master of Arts, was which is more literary. So, so Master of Fine Arts, we were going to be in a play every session. You know, you're going to audition and get into a show and that's how it worked and study acting and directing and different different things with different classes that we were required to take. It was a fabulous program. So growing up and being yeah. an aspiring actor and also when you were in school, did you have any heroes, any acting heroes? Um, growing up, for sure. <laughs> I still do. But Lucille Ball, you know, when I think back of all my heroes... It would be Lucille Ball, Dick Van Dyke, you know, on the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, Mary Tyler Moore show, Lou Grant. I mean, you know, uh, the comedians, Jerry Lewis. Um, I really I mean, I just fell into just watch Peter Sellers. I know I'm sure you don't even know who he I'm is. I'm 25. <laughs> yeah. But all these great, great comedians is who were my heroes. And I watched every, you know, Lucille Ball, Lucy show. And so, yeah. So they, they were my heroes, really. So did you want to be a comedian? Um, It wasn't about being a comedian. I think I was a comedian. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I aspired. It was just part of my... Who you were, who you're, I was, as an actor. you know what I mean? Okay, well, yeah. in that case, we got to talk about those ducks and dogs oh. <laughs> that you've already mentioned. Yeah. And, and yeah. I understand that you were known in theater circles for your characterization of a duck yes. called, let me get it right, Ducky Duddles? Ducky Daddles. Daddles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so can we just please talk what the preparation process for this specific character was? Well, it wasn't that hard because I had a duck and I followed him around my backyard. <laughs> I was always good with facial expressions and sounds. And also I was a big fan of Marcel Marceau, who's the greatest pantomimist in the world. And I used to go see his shows. So I became... Physically, I would just follow him and waddle like a duck and look like a duck and made my face like a duck and then talk like a duck. <laughs> a 
what's going on? You know, and so I was playing a stupid duck in a show called Story Theater, and it was such a big hit in the theater works. And my duck was sort of, you know, just a fun, stupid duck that that um, that everybody loved named Ducky Daddles. And then my dog, I followed my dog around and watched how he panted so that I really got the rhythm of the dog. So and I put my hair up like little put little ponytails and I look like a, I look like a dog. So in Two Gentlemen of Verona, the phenomenal um, artistic director who's actually retiring this year, Robert Kelly, um, he had the foresight and the insight because he was very much of a commedia dell'arte, uh, had that whole background. So he hired, he not hired, but he cast me as the dog of Launce. So a lot of times that that specific show, they'll have a, a puppet play the dog. But I was a real dog. I had, you know, um, uh, um, uh, pads on my knees and stuff because I was it was in an outdoor theater and it was phenomenal. It gave me a bath on stage. I had to bite into a turkey leg and it was so disgusting that when I got off the set, I just threw it over the fence, <laughs> spit it out. Throw. Anyway, a, a little um, talk about the dog. I was in a casting room, a major casting director named Lynn Stallmaster many years ago at 20th Century Fox. And he said, well, I understand you do a dog. So let me see. So I got down on my knees and I did my dog and went upside down and, you know, so I could get scratched. And he got a phone call from the secretary outside, said, is there a dog in there? <laughs> so it was fun. Anyway, I love doing, you know, animals. I do a lot of animals, impersonations of animals. What other animals do you do? Chicken, rooster, uh, birds. I've done that on television also. I voiced a, 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 a bird, um, talking bird, um, all different kinds. Yeah, mainly, you know, farm animals, <laughs> frogs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So you touched a little bit on how you came to L.A. and you started booking within six months. Yes. Um, do you remember your first role outside of the theater? Uh, my first role was on Magnum P.I. It was now they're doing a remake or whatever. Um, it was the pilot. And I played the secretary to Tom Selleck. And <clears throat> I had... They had had problems, I guess, the day before in their shooting. So they spent an extra, an extra long, uh, you know, an inordinate amount of time on the particular scene I was in. So it was my first time on the set. I had two lines because somebody rushed in the door and I say, sorry, sir, he never stopped. And it, we shot it for eight hours. And I thought, oh, my God, if this is what film acting is. I don't know if I want to do this because it was eight hours of doing the same thing over and over again. But I loved it. Of course, it was my first job. My first my first big job, I would say, was after was six months. That was my first big job, which was the pilot on ABC called In Trouble. So, OK, so let me get this right. You move to L.A. and you get those two lines on yeah. Magnum P.I. within what time frame? Um, within a... Mm, that's a really good question. I think maybe within three months. I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I don't really remember, but it was my first job. And then I got, you know, commercials, you know, right away. 
Um, so yeah. And then I got this pilot, but I got to back it up and say for actors, whoever, you know, cause whoever, you know, what I did was whoever, you know, you want to have them help you move your career along. So I've got to sort of take a little side note here and say, my goal when I came to LA was, okay, who do I know or who knows somebody that I know so that I can move my career along? Every morning I woke up and I said, what can I do today to help me move along and push towards uh, getting acting work? Did you have a type when, you know, when you yeah. were, were um, you um, a leading lady or best friend? Definitely or? not leading lady. I'm uh, definitely best friend, uh, comic relief, um, sort of the wholesome kid when I was playing, you know, when I was 25 lying about my age that I was 22. In those days, you could lie about your age. No one knew. Um, and I used to lie all the time about my age. But um, yeah, mainly just all, uh, you know, comedic characters. Do you feel like there was a specific quality or a trait that separated you and made you successful in Hollywood? I think my sense of fun and just really loving what I was doing and not if I was having any issues or whatever the issues were, I was just having a lot of fun, I, I would say, because, you know, it also you feel better. The more you're working, the better you feel when you walk in the door. So everything, everything kind of worked out for me when I was younger. So um, what about your big break? You were talking about so a was, show. That was the pilot for ABC where I was starring with Nancy Cartwright, who does Bart Simpson, the voice of Bart Simpson, and Lisa Freeman, no relation to me. Um, her dad was a big producer, I think, of Hawaii Five-0. And the three of us were the stars of the show with Doris Roberts, who was playing the principal of the high school And uh, other actors as well, wonderful actors as well on the show. So that was my big break. And then my bigger break was getting, I think Too Close for Comfort was after half a year. And I landed a regular on Too Close for Comfort. I had a very unfortunate situation that happened. Unfortunate. My dad passed away. He had a massive heart attack three days before I was going to the network for final approval. So it was I was up against four other girls And I was speaking to my dad on a Sunday night. Wednesday night, he knew I was going to the network for final approval. He said, you're going to get it. And then that night, he had a massive heart attack and he died. So I went back to Palo Alto, flew up, and my family said, go back. You know, it was their funeral and go back, go get it. And I flew back just for the day. I told my agents, don't tell anybody that my dad died because I would have been on the floor. It would have just been horrendous. And actually, the scene that I was using... For the audition scene, I had a couple of scenes I had to do. One of them was talking about my mom who had just died. So talk about substitution. I didn't need any. Yeah. Lauren was asking, it seems that being positive and perseverance definitely paid off for you. Yeah. And it was coming from the inside. It wasn't something that I was making up. I think generally I like people. So it was, you know, and making real contact with people, being able to... Um, Have, I'm really having fun with it. But I stopped having fun. At a certain point, I stopped having fun. And, and that's a whole other story. What happened was I started caring too much about what other people thought about me. Um, when I 
I don't know how how that happened. Maybe because I had a I did have a very rough experience on the on the show Too Close for Comfort. And so maybe I think that might have been the beginning of it. So I started caring about, does the director like, once they've cast me, does the director like what I'm doing? Doesn't he? I was waiting to hear positive feedback. And if I didn't get it, then I thought, I, I think I started getting, not I think, I started getting more and more anxious. So then I started forgetting lines. So then I just started forgetting lines, but it was anxiety. And it was about, instead of just doing the work... I started worrying about what other people were thinking, and then I started forgetting lines. But before you completely stepped out of out of TV, yeah, you were um, you were in the Golden Girls. Yes, I yeah, played you, B. Arthur's daughter. Yeah, do you have? I mean, it's such an iconic show. Yeah, uh, I would know. I've done interviews on the Golden Girls for for their books and stuff. There's a guy that writes the the books on Golden Girls. Is there anything the that you remember, you know, that day on on set? Any any memories? Well, what was it like? Um, first of all, I've worked with a lot of stars, you know, Bob Newhart on the Newhart Show and all these different people. And B. Arthur, I was so, I, I was in awe of everybody I worked with, but I was really in awe of her. And it made my work more difficult because I let, my feelings get in the way of the character that I was playing. So I'll give you an example. So she was just terrific. And, you know, I love to even imitate her the way she talked. But um, I, this everybody on the show was was so sweet, but I couldn't believe I was like playing her daughter. So at a certain point in a scene, and you could see clips from it, um, my, the story is that that my quote, my husband had an affair with somebody else and we decided, you know, he, I was going to leave him. And at a certain point in the scene, there was a scene in the kitchen where B. Arthur held my hand and patted my hand as we were sitting at the, at the kitchen table. And Dina didn't want to take my hand away, but the act, but the character did. It's like, don't touch me. I'm not, I don't want to be consoled that way because that was the character. But I left it there. And that's where I got in the way. Is I mean, I don't know if I'm explaining it oh, right. Oh, no, totally, yeah. totally. So, so, and when I look at that, I go, oh my God, because it wasn't right for the character to just be consoled in that way. And so that's where it got in the way. Um, but I loved working with them, but I just, you know, it was just that I worked with, you know, John Ritter, who was phenomenal to work with on a TV movie. And he was the only one that I actually pulled me aside and let's say, let's rehearse. <laughs> we went over the lines and we talked and stuff. Usually you just come to the set prepared, which I was, but we worked before going up which was fun. Bob Newhart was great to work with. I worked with such wonderful actors, you know, um, really terrific actors that I couldn't believe, you know, I was so lucky. Patty Duke, who actually goes by Anna, and Sean Astin, who's her son, he yes. played a little five-year-old. It was his first job on an after-school special called Please Don't Hit Me, Mom. And it was about child abuse. And so I played Nancy McKeon's best friend. And we were also like 10 years apart. I was playing, I looked very young. So I would play, I would play teens when I was 25. So Nancy McKeon was actually in her teens. 
and I was playing her best friend. She was on Facts of Life. She was one of the girls in Facts of Life. So that was kind of odd. My close-ups, you know, when they came around to me, they had let her go because she was already she already put in her hours on the set. So I was looking at an adult when I was speaking to her. It was very odd. But anyway, um, yeah, it was great working with B. Arthur. I love working with her. And there are a lot of people I love working with. I'm curious because you you, you work with so many people. Um Did did these actors have a similar process of preparation? I have uh, no idea. Yeah. Everybody does have some. I mean, I can't say everybody. I mean, there's some wonderful actors that don't. And it's never something that you would discuss. Never. Yeah. You do your own work. You do all the preparation. You show up to the set ready to go. Ready to go. So acting can be a pretty cutthroat business. Are there any horror stories that you remember? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of uh, ones. Um, of course, we all have horror stories. Uh, one of them was I was cast as one of the regulars on a pilot for NBC. It's not even on my resume, unfortunately. I never shot it. They cast me as the ninth character. They didn't know what they were going to do with me, but they just gave me two lines. It was, it was supposed to be like a bitchy character. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> But there was nothing behind it, right? Um, and so, okay, fine. Okay, I had those lines, and it was going to be developed later on. So we had already shot before a live audience—excuse me, without a live audience. First, you shoot without a live audience, and that went fine. Then, all of a sudden, the stage manager comes up to me and motions, like, follow me. And I said, what, I'm being fired so quickly? As a joke. He took me to the producer's office, and they said, look— They weren't really direct, but what I got was we're going to have to develop it. It doesn't quite work in this show right now. I didn't I didn't quite get that I was being fired until I walked back to the set and the entire cast was sitting in a circle with the director kind of looking at them and they all looked at me And in this sad face, like, poor thing. And I went, oh, my God, I just got fired. So I went to my, you know, dressing room, packed up my stuff and left. It was horrible. I spent the whole next day in bed crying like I was mourning. The shutters were closed. I did receive a huge bouquet of flowers from NBC, which was quite nice. I spent two days in bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. The other thing was I had a very unfortunate um, experience working on Too Close for Comfort. Um, you know, what can I say? Ted Knight is gone, and I wish now, as an older person, we could talk about it. But he didn't like me, and it was very clear. Um, I don't know why. Um, and he used to say that I made my voice hoarse the way it was. And I had a really horrible year on that show. I was very unhappy. Um, the first week, midweek, he invited everybody out to lunch but me. And it, that was day two. And then he got into a thing with me about my voice. And I said, what do you mean? This is my, this is my voice. Um, and he just, he didn't like me and just... The feeling on, the, you know, and I didn't get such a great feeling about Nancy Dussault either. I didn't think that they liked me and I felt very 
unhappy. Plus, my dad had also died. So I felt very alone. And I also hadn't had any therapy as I've had now. So I would have talked to them about it. But now, you know, uh, it's over. But it carried through. And I ended up with this huge rash on my face during the whole time I was shooting. And they kept trying to change the makeup and this and that. As soon as I was off the show, the rash cleared up. But you want to hear even something more strange. I went to the rap party. And um, the la oh, the last show of the season, you know, they'd always have a warm-up person. And they said, and here's, you know, they keep introducing all the actors. And here's Dina Freeman, who's uh, April this season. And the way it was said this season was like, oh, I think I'm going to be let go. You know, and then I show up to the rap party and it was just, oh, you know, Ted Knight's wife kind of put her hand on my cheek like, like poor thing. But nothing was said. Right. So. So this is interesting. Have you ever seen those cakes where they have the likeness of the person? Uh -huh. They can actually. So there was a whole cake of the cast of all of all of us on it. And so my April, my character, April, wasn't eaten. You know, there were all different parts of the cake that were eaten, but April was left uneaten. <laughs> so they gave me April, the part of the cake. And I thought, great. I took it home and then I took it to Northern California with my family. I thought we'd have it, you know, I put it in the freezer and I said, okay, I'll take it out at some point and eat it. I was home during the summer. I don't remember what was going on. And I said, let's, let's eat it. And so we ate it. My mother, you know, not my dad, he wasn't around. And we kind of like polished it off that afternoon after polishing it off. I got a phone call from the producers that I was let go. Oh, Oh my God! You should have just kept that cake in the freezer. I know, right? That oh cake. Oh my gosh! It was funny. I ate myself. That's <laughs> weird. Oh God. Anyway, so that was a very tough situation on that show. I had to be very careful with how I talked. Um, I felt thing. I was being very. Um, I was nervous. Do you think it clouded how you approached acting? No. Going forward, no. No, but I, but something happened because then slowly I started getting more anxious. I'd still worked a lot. I still worked a lot. So I don't, it didn't cloud my acting whatsoever. It, is there, is there a piece of advice that you could offer to anybody who's in this situation that, that you, you find yourself in? That's a good question. Not run away from it the way I did. I ran away. Um, I think confront it more. Not be confrontational, but try to figure out what's going on and is there something that I'm doing that's contributing to it. And if there's a way of of trying to understand the other person, maybe. Um, and if you can't, being able to recognize that they're being a jerk and they're being an asshole and they're being an asshole and not letting it eat you up about it. It's not my problem. It's their problem. And I think that would have helped me a lot. But that's, you know, many years later. You can look at it that way. Well, let's talk about your commercial work. Um, you were honored by the Screen Actors Guild for your body of work in commercials. Yeah. Do you remember how many commercials you no. were in? 
Hundreds. I mean, I was on all the time, you know, 80s and 90s. I was just on everything. I, you know, I was trying to remember. Actually, I was going back in my memory. What else have I, what have I done? I was, uh, lots of products. Um, I was spokesperson for McDonald's. They're, they were my first big spots on television. I was, um, it was fun. I was spokesperson for McDonald's and I still remember the monologue from it, believe it or not. And okay, was, let's hear it. Oh, come to McDonald's and pick up your free game cr- prize. One second. Come to McDonald's and pick up your free game prize. Oh, shoot. I forgot it now. Put on the spot. Um, anyway, I was busting out of the TV and I looked like an alien, but whatever. Um, it was fun. And uh, I, I loved doing that. And then I was also spokesperson for Tab Soda. And that's an interesting thing. I was cast in Tab and they had a huge campaign going. There were 10 days of shooting and I was scheduled for the 10th day, last shot of the day. We were on the beach. They ran out of time. I never got on the on the Tab spot. But I was okay. I just realized, you know what? It happens. I wasn't mourning over it. It was it was not intentional. It happens. So they were so taken by me that they ended up casting me as the spokesperson for Tab. I ended up with six, five, six commercials after that for Tab Soda. And I was on all the time. It was fun. I was flown to New York to do spots. Yeah, it was great. What was your most recognizable fun moment from doing commercials? Did McDonald's, did you get to eat a lot of McDonald's? No, no, not at all. (laughs) No, I wouldn't want to. But um, uh, fun moment um, was doing Hormel Hash because I was dressed up in this um, just a regular outfit. And then I was flown to Michigan. No, that was Chicago, I think. I had flown to Michigan to do... Uh, something else, another spot. Um, and I would, um, and I danced in this funny way with facial expressions across the table to Hormel Hash. And as I danced, I ripped off my clothing and underneath I had a red tie and a, I was in black and white and a red tie. It was so much fun. That was great. I also loved traveling. Of course, it was so much fun to be sent on first class and, you know, Go to do a commercial. I travel a lot to do commercials. That was a, that was great. Um, commercials are fun to do. They're quick, you know, easy, great. You know, they pay well. Pay well, and you know, sometimes they don't. Like I was doing a planters. I got cast in a planters commercial with a major director. Who I can't remember right now. He's like major director, and. Um, and I didn't know about a spit bag in those days. This was early on for me. So I kept eating planters corn chips. You know, that you have a spit mm-hmm. bag so you don't have to swallow. By the eighth, you know, hour, I, my mouth was dry. I did not touch another corn chip for years because I hated corn chips. <laughs> Little did I know, just spit it out. Oh, and then there was another commercial where I don't eat ham or bacon or anything like that. Um, I'm Jewish and I don't eat non-kosher food. So I had to bite into an egg McMuffin. I did not know. They didn't tell me what the product was, oddly enough. I was cast for the next. I had to be cast. 
I was cast and the very next day we shot. So I had no idea what I was actually biting into, but they worked it out. But I had such anxiety that night. What do I do? Do I tell them I don't eat the meat? Didn't know what to do. When I got to the set, it was no big deal. They just made it so that it was so the camera saw it. But I was biting it to bread and cheese. That was it. And you acted in commercials with both of your daughters. Uh, was yes. this an advantage to was, like, have, was this an advantage to have kids to, you know, to act with you or? I mean, it was an advantage in that we got cast together. <laughs> um, as far as doing a commercial together, it was one of them was fun. I did Dan and Yogurt with one of my daughters. She, I was holding her in my arms. It was so great. But, but, but poor thing, by the time we shot, she was, you know, so tired. Um, and then the second one, we had a bit of a disaster <laughs> working together because uh, I don't know if you want me to go into the story Yes, we would love to hear that. that. You can, um, so what happened there was it, it became difficult because I was worried about them. That's where it's a problem to work with when you have little kids. You just don't know. And then you're the actress in it. And then you got to take care of them. And then so what happened was they ended up casting us in this U, U, United States post office commercial. And uh, they called in. They called us in for a wardrobe call the night before, like around seven o'clock or eight, but they were running late. So here I had a little three-year-old and a six-year-old. We were called late for wardrobe. I said, what's the spot? You know, is there dialogue? No, 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 there isn't. I showed up to the set at five. And of course, my daughters were so excited. They didn't get any sleep. My little one was so excited. And she shows up at five in the morning on the set, on one of the sets at the studios. And the director meets her. Hi, Noah. Her name is Noah. And Aviva, my eldest. And she, the first thing that happens is she throws up right in front of them. <laughs> she was so excited, so tired. That was the beginning. Then makeup, and then I was handed a script just before shooting. It was a huge monologue. So that was like, I did not know. And I needed to talk about, you know, it was a whole thing I had to do, plus deal with it. And my daughter, who was three years old, didn't know anything about acting. So she just wanted to go one time. I had to hold each of my daughters as if we're walking down the street. So I'm walking down the street talking, and... That was it. That's all she wanted to do. That was it. She did two. She actually did two takes and that was it. Uh, she didn't want to do it anymore, but they didn't have a backup kid. So then they finally, because she had a tantrum, they, she left the set. She was with my husband and he ended up talking to her and giving her, you know, look, you don't have to go back. But he explained the situation. The director needs you. You don't have to go back. And he explained to her the whole thing. So. Meanwhile, they were just filming myself and my older daughter, but it just the scene didn't work. They needed they needed the tug. They needed what was going on there. So she decided to come back to the set and she held my hand and we did the we did the walk. We, we shot it. And she said and she ad libbed, come on, mother. Now, she never called me mother ever in my life, but all of a sudden she was the little actress. She called me mother and they shot it. They said, that's it. It's a take. They got it. And then she burst out crying because she just needed to go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't fun, but it was fun. <laughs> I never worked for that director again. <laughs> so that wasn't fun. <laughs> That was the beginning of the end for me. I used to work for him all the time. <laughs>
<laughs> Don't bring your kids to work. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that's oh a God. long answer to a very <laughs> simple question. Oh God! So you also got into voiceover acting. Yes. Do you have a similar preparation for your voiceover acting versus on screen or how does it differ? No, because in on screen, you've got a whole character. This is just 30 seconds or whatever. No, you just have to figure out just like anything very quick. What's going on? What do you want? I mean, it's just I don't even go through the techniques. It's it's kind of there. Um, I don't go through all the techniques. No, it's just, but you want to make it real. It has to be real, just like, you know, when you're on television. But I don't go through all that preparation. No, uh, unless I'm doing animation and then I spend some time with it, deciding how, you know, this character. And I go through a little bit of that. Like, who is this character? As far as commercials are concerned, um, do you think there are actors who more successful in getting commercial work because they've got specific qualities or do you think it's just it, it just depends it just you just don't know what it is you know your haircut who knows so many factors involved and i'm not on that side but you just don't know why you're picked and not. i went through years of no commercial work after i was honored <laughs> that was the end no it took many many years and what i realized after years of not getting commercials it was weird I mean I was going I was working all the time and then all of a sudden I just stopped working and um so then I took a commercial acting class one class and then that week I booked a national spot and I think I think I know what it was and that is um I mean this might be it's just sort of a guess a general overall guess and that is I was kind of coming from the from commercials when they were bigger not the way the office you know the show the office where it's all very real so I was kind of maybe maybe I was kind of stuck in that kind of being over overreactive a little bit um the way I was in my younger days you know as a as a kid auditioning and commercials were bigger than life and stuff um, maybe it was that. And then I just made it just real, just real. And then I just booked a big spot like that. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, you also teach acting and you yes. actually specialize in teaching teens. Yes. Okay. Well, you taught us too. So yeah. <laughs> is it easier to teach the kids or the adults? Is it easier? There is no easier difficult. I just enjoy it. Um, I don't I don't think one is more difficult than the other. No. And I I love it because I can share my own experience and help whoever needs help. So I don't think one is more difficult. I would say maybe the littler ones are more difficult because either they don't read and you know you've got to just work and I and I'm just starting to I used to teach a lot of little ones, but that was only for fun. It was like a theater thing that I did, and and I used to teach. Now I'm being approached with some nine-year-olds that I'm getting for private coaching, and so they get stuck in a certain way. So I would say that's more, and I, I'm just starting to teach those kids, so that's going to be more of a challenge, I think, because they sort of have in their mind how it should be, 
and just getting them to undo that. So that will be more difficult. But teenagers, no, I love the teenagers because I also, I feel like I can help them too personally. Not, I'm not out to help them personally, but they're going through so much at school and they're able to then use their problems positively in using it as the char- in the in the characters that they're playing. So really it's cathartic for them. I mean, I've even been told by several kids they they thank me because it's really helped them and helped the, one girl even talk to her dad who she where she wasn't able to do before and you know, real it, it's been terrific cuz I teach them how to use who they are what their issues are, what their problems are, and find that in the characters that they're playing. Or find the character, first, whatever, I don't need to go into an acting, (laughs) to teach you acting right now, but whatever. They use their experiences in a positive way. So for anybody listening out there, um, if you're paying for therapy now, stop paying for therapy and go to an acting class. It helps. (laughs) It helps. Finally, what piece of advice would you offer for aspiring actors out there? Um, one is to really be part of life, do things, go to movies, go to theater, um, get educated, go to school, whatever you can do in order to fill your life so you're going to be able to pull from so travel. I mean, I used to not travel because I wanted to be in town because for the next audition. But all of all your experiences is what you're going to pull from. And that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at LA is good for you. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinanta Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low budget recording and sound editing needs. <laughs>